BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Good evening and welcome to the Como Sports End Zone. I'm Nico Tamari and we're here at Como Sports Entering the podcast space with the Como Sports End Zone, of course. And we'll certainly be putting this on the Como News YouTube page. And it's just really an opportunity to connect with you all with the biggest things going on. Certainly right now, that would be the Seahawks and the Mariners. Uh, it's an opportunity to go more in depth that maybe we can't do in a sportscast that lasts however long that may ask or uh, being on a Facebook Live, which is really fun. I really enjoy engaging with everybody there. Uh, but sometimes it just doesn't offer you the same uh, interaction or the the opportunity to go in depth without somebody making some comments there. Um, really excited to bring this to you and especially to launch this year, October 2022. And this is a month that will go down in history for this city. And that starts with the Mariners Friday. And we're going to talk about the Seahawks game that wrapped up yesterday and really take a look ahead of what's an exciting time right now in Seattle sports. Um, let's start with the Seahawks as you start your Monday morning and really kind of get a feel for what might be ahead for this team. My four takeaways from this game, we'll get into that. Um, obviously, we'll get to the Mariners after that. We'll talk about my fantasy football picks and go from there. And really, this is an opportunity uh, to really go in-depth on a lot of these things. Let's start with this Hawks game. Uh, there's some good things, that, and there's one one bad thing that I don't like about it. And I'll, I'll start with the bad news. Normally, I like to start with the good news, but there's a lot of good news in this, and then we'll back up on that after. The Lions, to start this bad news, were missing their best two offensive players. By far, DeAndre Swift and, of course, Amon Ross St. Brown. They were both out, and yet that Seahawks defense still gave up 45 points. You don't have to be a football expert to say that's concerning. Um, it's ironic because, you know, you look at some of these other games, like the Denver matchup and things like that, that Hawks defense played pretty darn well. And, and so you maybe thought, okay, this is going to be the start of something. Um, but giving up 45 points, you know, Jared Goff was throwing the ball all over the yard, 378 yards, four touchdowns. You know, maybe game flow, a little bit of that here and there, but that's a concern to me. And, and here's the caveat to all that is that, you know, all over the field, Seahawks are playing rookies. And Pete Carroll actually said this to me last week that, you know, the future's bright is actually his direct quote on that. And yes, it is. And and Pete believes it's this year. And maybe it is. I, I think most people would say it's probably going to take a little bit longer. But think about that rookie class. If you want to put a silver lining on some bad news here, you've got just about every rookie fifth rounder better is either starting or contributing. And you can go on down the line. Charles Cross, your first rounder is starting at left tackle. Your two second round picks may not be starting by definition in Boye Mafe and Kenneth Walker, the third, but they're playing a lot of snaps. I mean, they may as well be starters. You're just talking about titles at that point for how much these guys are on the field. Your third round pick, former Coug and Everett native, Abe Lucas starting at right tackle. <laughs> so you've got two rookies starting on the offensive line, and they sprung Rashad Penny for 151 yards. More on that in a minute. But then you go to the fourth round, Kobe Bryant starting in the secondary. Your fifth round pick, Tariq Woolen starting. 
and by the way, had a pick six on Jared Goff, which at the time seemed like, okay, it's going to put it out of reach, but with a final score, he only went by three, may have been the difference. And so we'll talk about that bad news that, okay, this Seahawks defense gave up 45 points to a Lions offense that was missing those two guys. But I'm going to give them a little bit of a pass on that. Okay, they better short up next week. Saints are better than the Lions are. And I like the Lions. I, I Anybody who watched Hard Knocks likes the Lions, right? Who, how can you not like Dan Campbell after watching him on that show? But it, things are going to be tougher. You're not going to face a much more porous opposing defense than you will with the Lions. And so that's kind of what, why that's a concerning factor. Not kind of. It is why it's a concerning factor. Okay, so... We're, we're on base with that. Let's talk about the Seahawks takeaways that are positive in this one. And it has to really start with a bullet. Geno Smith, my goodness. Give you a quick story here. Over the summer, and, and this is standard practice. I'm sure other sportscasters in town did the same thing. But you, you make the rounds, you know, whether it's local or national shows in other parts of the country. Over the summer, you know, it's kind of only baseball. Uh, for If you're talking about like universal interest, obviously a market like Seattle love soccer and things like that, but not every market has that. And so anyway, I was on one of those shows and we were talking about the Seahawks and they asked about the quarterback situation. And I said, I think P is content to ride with Drew Locke or Geno Smith at the time the competition was still going on. And the one who said, are you crazy? Or he, excuse me, he said, do you know how crazy that sounds? At the time it did, right? To so many outside of this area who don't follow every little thing with the Hawks. Now, to me, being a VMAC every day didn't surprise me because you knew that Pete Carroll wanted somebody to manage the game. They weren't going to give up draft capital to get a quarterback that was going to be turning the ball over and things like that. However, I don't think anybody foresaw Geno Smith playing the way he is. Completing 77% of his passes through four games? Come on, man. Like, that's crazy. And by the way, completing 77% of your passes through four games with a minimum of 125 pass attempts. That's an NFL record for highest completion percentage. Geno Smith, not Dan Marino, not Tom Brady. <laughs> Come on. That is so crazy. Not the great Patrick Mahomes. None of those guys. Beyond belief. It's Geno Smith, the guy that so many of us, I'll admit, when that Russell Wilson trade happened, I just felt like it was a matter of if, not when. I thought they would either use some of that draft capital that was acquired from the Broncos and turn it around for a quarterback, whether that was a veteran or whether that was moving up in the draft. And certainly that proved not to be the move because Kenny Pickett was the only guy uh, that went in the first round. But you know what I'm saying? Like I thought that at some point along the line, there was going to be an acquisition. At first, I thought it was going to be another trade. Then I thought it was going to be the draft. I loved Malik Willis' tape. I still think he'll do great things in Tennessee. Then I thought it was going to be something, okay, Jimmy G's around, Baker Mayfield's around. How many conversations we had after newscasts here where it's like, why don't they bring on Baker Mayfield? I'm a believer that, you know, it's not really showing up in its best this year. I thought that Baker Mayfield didn't get a fair deal in uh, in um, Cleveland last year because of the, all the, you know, he's hurt half the year. He played through an injury. You know, how we proved to be wrong. But let's bring that back to Geno Smith. I mean, this is just a great story. And I know we're only four games in, but it's only going to get better and better. This guy did not has not been a full-time starter since 2014. And this is, I'm not going to say that every starting quarterback 
that lost their job in the NFL deserves another shot. That that would just be crazy to say. But it's proof that maybe sometimes guys are giving up on too soon. Now, that said, Geno struggled mightily, we know. The Jets didn't. The Giants, little thing there he did. And then and then he ended up backing up like some of the most Ironman quarterback ever in Phillip Rivers and, of course, Russell Wilson. But it just goes to show, you know, Gino, when he was asked about it, said, what's the, when they asked, what's the biggest difference? He said, well, I'm not in my twenties anymore. He said, I, to direct quote it, he said, I'm in my thirties now. <laughs> you know what I mean? He's 31. He's not a 23 year old kid just coming out of West Virginia. Right. So this is a great story. This is maybe one of the best stories in the NFL, certainly in Seattle. And I know that you're not going to say the whole NFL because the Hawks are just two and two right now. But this guy today, 23 of 30 passing, 320 yards, two touchdowns, no picks. In fact, Geno Smith, in the first half of this game with the Lions, the 48-45 win, had more touchdown passes than Russell Wilson had all season leading into today's game. Now, Russ threw two today, so he caught up to that. Geno's half numbers, but Geno has more touchdowns than Russell Wilson, the guy he backed up for three seasons. And like, okay, listen, we're not going to, draw that line just yet like the whole comparison but you know Pete Carroll loves that not only that he beat the guy they got rid of with the guy's backup back in week one but the fact that Geno Smith is doing exactly what Pete Carroll wants you know what there's a fly that flew by there one of the things that is the reason why this trade was made if you kind of look at the years-long deterioration of this whole thing Russ was not the quarterback that he was when he first came out of college the guy that was in the Super Bowls Russ was the guy that just wanted to go for the big play more often than not and was not taking what was – what was. I mean, certainly sometimes he did, obviously, but was not taking always what the defense was giving him. Geno Smith is doing that, and he's now thrown for 300 yards in each of the last two games, and he's thrown four touchdowns and one interception. The one interception, you have to know, was in desperation in the final minute. So I'm really impressed with Geno Smith. I know you are – to, but I think the biggest thing here is let's see if this can last a whole season. I think with every week that goes by that we're seeing this same performance, I mean, why the heck can it be? Right? So that there's a lot to like there. And that's my biggest takeaway from this game. My my second takeaway, positively, we already talked about the bad one. So this is, our, I guess, our third of four takeaways here would be Rashad Penny and that offensive line. We just talked about a minute ago how that Seahawks offensive line has two rookies starting, two rookies bookending it, a rookie protecting Geno Smith's blind side. And yet these guys sprung Rashad Penny free for 151 yards on just 14 carries. Pretty crazy, man. It really is. And 17 carries, not 14, excuse me. Um, and it's pretty crazy when you think about it because the first few games, the run game was not quite there. They were trying some stuff, you know, running some gadget plays. They had that like one game with the Niners, which was yeah, obviously just a disaster, but they ran that wild card or excuse me, wildcat set. And so you kind of wondered what the run game would be, but all summer long, we knew and we thought that this was the team we saw today outside of the poor defensive performance was going to be the offense Pete Carroll wants. Now they're not going to score 48 points every week, but what Pete Carroll wants is they want to run for that many yards, 235. Yeah. Gino accounted for 49 of that, but they want to have a hundred yard rusher and be able to, you know, dink and dunk, get those pass games going, open it up like when the big shots are there and that sort of thing. But okay, we don't have to, 
you know, believe the point here with Rashad Penny's great day. It was awesome. It was just like we saw at the end of the 2021 season. But how do you think we got there? What was the difference in this game? Of course, other than the opponent, the Lions defense is struggling. To me, it's my last takeaway with this before we get into a few other things. It's DK Metcalf. DK Metcalf is one of the best receivers in the league, and that's not a hot take. That's just common knowledge, obviously. But when he's on, like he was in this game, 149 yards and seven catches, that opens everything up for everybody else. It opens it up so that Tyler Lockett can have six catches. But maybe most importantly, those linebackers and those safeties can't cheat up for the run game as much anyway. And that's going to open a lot of things up. And when you're running a lot of those bootleg plays, like we saw the Hawks do with a lot of success, quite frankly, um, you know, and, and they're throwing obviously to three different tight ends and, and Tyler's got six catches. DK's got seven, you know, that's going to keep any defense on. It's not just a, a defense a defensive unit that's struggling like the lions. So that's what to me was the biggest difference. You can kind of look at this. Okay. Offensive line played great. Of course they did. Rashad Penny ran really well and some nice moves on those two touchdown runs of over 30 yards. Of course he did, but those initial holes and that, Help from the Lions defense isn't there because of having to be honest with the passing game. And that's the biggest, to me anyway, takeaway from that. You think, okay, yeah, I, I love the way Rashad Penny played. I love the stats and numbers that DK had, even if he didn't find the end zone. But they're intertwined. They're absolutely intertwined. And when it comes to Geno Smith, we just talked about at length. I mean, this guy's spreading the ball around. I'm going to count really quick here. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight different receivers today, 10 different receivers last week. And you, you might say like, well, you know, four of those guys only had one catch. It doesn't matter. He's spreading the ball around. And when you've got three different tight ends, you've got Colby Parkinson as a legit threat with his size, six, seven out there. Come on. Will Disley caught another touchdown. Noah Fant got a touchdown. That's just it. Both of Geno's touchdown passes went to tight ends. And then you have the over-the-top threat, the intermediate threat more this year, which is big because Russ was not taking that nearly enough last year. The intermediate threat with DK and Tyler. I mean, things are going to open up even more for this offense if they stay consistent with this. There's a lot of reason to think they will, but that's kind of where we're at with this, the idea that one thing is going to lead to the other. And if you're a Seahawks fan this Monday morning, you have to enjoy that. You have to enjoy that. So a lot of fun on that front. If you're a Seahawks fan uh, going forward, you know, I wonder what that spread is going to be with the Saints. Uh, the Lions were actually favored by three and a half today. And that's kind of the old adage that while home field advantage is worth three points, I would venture to guess the Saints may be a little bit more like five or six. But hey, man, the Lions play, excuse me, the Seahawks play like they did today. Ooh, you know, I mean, you got to short the defense. We get that. And there's a lot of things there that we didn't like, but this offense really special. Okay, let's move on. Really quick, before we get to the Mariners, uh, let's talk about fantasy football. Uh, I don't think I'll always center this on the Seahawks. I mean, if you talk about that San Francisco game a couple weeks ago, it'd be a pretty uh, quick discussion. It'd be about one sentence. But I think when you're looking at the Seahawks, look at the value in this. There's always going to be a lot of value when a team scores 48 points. But Rashad Penny, big game, obviously, and by far the best he had all year. Even, you know, week one, or rather it was asked last week when he had like 12 carries and 60-something yards. I mean, nothing that would jump off the page at you, but it was, like, respectable. You know, that didn't net you the most fantasy points. Uh, he was he may have won your matchup for you if you played him in this game today, or yesterday, rather. And so there's a lot to like there. But here's my question for everybody. 
is Geno Smith a legit fantasy option at quarterback? And I'm talking about your standard leagues or your PPR standard, same deal. I'm not talking about those two quarterback leagues because certainly he's played his way into that situation. No doubt about that. But is Geno Smith a legitimate fantasy quarterback right now in standard leagues? Hard to argue against it. He's thrown for 300 yards the last two games. In that stretch, four touchdowns, one interception. Okay, the Niners game was awful. But he certainly was pretty good against the Broncos as well. Threw a couple touchdowns in that one. Is he Pat Mahomes, Jalen Hurts fantasy level? No, of course not. But if you're in a 10 or 12 team league, yeah. You're one of those people who drafted a, a, a Dak Prescott or is watching Tom Brady struggle right now? Absolutely. Go for it. You're talking about the upcoming games. I got to look at my schedule here. You got to bear with me. The Saints, Cardinals, Chargers, Giants. I mean, there's a couple tough games in there. You could you could leave that stretch four and four or five and three. If Geno plays like he did the last two weeks, heck yeah. I love that. I think there's a lot of merit there. No question about it. And I think that if you're in a league with fans around the country, you know, if you're in a league with a lot of people here, you know, in Seattle, of course, Gino's not exactly under the radar. He probably isn't nationally anymore anyway, but, you know, sometimes perceptions are hard to get rid of. And, you know, for a lot of people, especially if you're talking like with friends on the East Coast or something like that, uh, they still have that New York Jets version of Gino who could not be further from what the Seahawks 2022 Gino is. I mean, he's just a joy to watch. Pete Carroll saying how freaking fun was that? He said Gino should have been carried off the field. God, I love that. It was so good, man. You know, I, again, I'm going to wrap up Gino here in a second here. I think that when you look at everything that was said and done throughout this offseason, everybody's saying everything we talked about at length about acquiring somebody else. And, and yeah, you can go back to the, the end of the first game when, you know, they wrote me off. I ain't right back, though. Gino has trademarked that, by the way. I think the local company, Simply Seattle, still selling that T-shirt. Pretty cool one. I like it. I'll, I'll wear it around. Because you know what? This guy defied the odds. And that's something that when you're told, no matter if you're a football player, if you're a broadcaster, no matter what you do, if you're told you can't do something, you're not good enough, and you do it, man, that's a good feeling, isn't it? That's such a good feeling. Geno Smith did that. At least on this four-week scale so far. Yeah, I'm rooting for the guy. I know, you know, not just because he's Seattle's quarterback, but because of everything the guy has overcome. There's a lot to like there. And let's see if they can keep it going against the Saints. Let's see. Uh, <laughs> that was the fantasy football conversation. Um, don't take the Seahawks defense. <laughs> Geno Smith, viable option? I think so. Rashad Penny, if you were a patient owner, maybe this is an indication you can start playing him every week. I'll admit I've got him on my team. He's in a flex spot. Um, certainly DK and Tyler, um, DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett are proving to be viable every week. And if you were one of the people that got them as a steal much later than they should have been good for you, because you knew so many people were like, well, who the heck's throwing them the ball? I'm not going to pick them. Well, you know, DJ, uh, DK goes higher because he's that athletic freak that everybody loves. And for good reason, both guys are going to put up good numbers every, every week, six catches, 91 yards for Lockett. On eight targets, DK had 10 targets, and you already know 149 yards, seven catches. Especially if it's PPR. That's I mean, that's a lot of volume too, right? Yeah, a lot to like there. 
with the Hawks in the fantasy department as well. Ken Walker, don't give up on him. Stash him. I think he's going to do some better things later in the year. He, you know, he's a rookie. Only played three games. Didn't play in that opener with the Broncos. He's going to be good. You watch that guy run. He's got moves. He had that nice play against the Falcons on that kind of uh, jet sweep deal. Um, yeah, he really impressed me with that. I think that's good. Uh, listen, the ever rare tight end position, you know, it's difficult to find a tight end. There's only a few of them that are elite. And I'm not going to call the Seahawks tight ends elite, but hey, Will Disley has three touchdowns in four games. If you're in a position you just need points from your tight end, hey, why not? Why not? Well, Disley, three touchdowns in four games. I would have, I, I argued, I didn't take him, but I argued before the season, Noah Fant would be good in that. And he still may be, but, um, you know, he only has the one touchdown in four games. It, but Will Disley has proven to be a good target for Geno. And maybe that goes back to the idea that, you know, Geno was co- always QB2. Will Disley was always tight end too. Those guys have a great rapport and have always worked a lot together. They waited their turn. Now it's here. It's it's really cool to look at it in that respect. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be Continued at scs.georgetown.com. Dot edu slash podcast. All right, let's talk Mariners. How about it? All right, you already know this, but let's lay out the scenario in case you're completely unfamiliar. So Major League Baseball, as you may or may not know, changed the playoff format this year. Three wildcard teams instead of two. It used to be just one before it was two. And before that, it was no wildcard teams at all. So certainly involving the sport. But part of those discussions when the season was locked out for a little bit, the little delay, which is why we have really the regular season should be over right now. But we have this Detroit Tigers series because of that lockout pushing these uh, this opening series with the Tigers back. So three wildcard teams get in. Obviously, Mariner Magic Friday night. I'll tell you some of the stories about the locker room there because it, it, it was a really unique experience. Um, but the Mariners, the Mariners, Blue Jays, and Rays are all locked in. The top wildcard spot between those three teams gets to host the series next weekend. It's a best of three series, all three games at one site. So it's not like a 1-1-1 or a 2-1. You know, the American League Divisional Series the following week will be 2-2-1. Two at the top seed, two at the road seed, pivotal game five, if necessary, um, at the better seeds home field. But this is three games, three days, third game if necessary. If the same team wins the first two, it's over, best of three, all at the same site. And the idea there for Major League Baseball was that they didn't want to penalize those one and two seeds. In the American League's case, would be the Astros and Yankees. You know, you have a great year. You get one of the top two seeds, and then you have to wait way too long. You have to wait for a series that has to, you know, in the case of the Mariners, would require basically cross-country flight, whether that's Tampa, Toronto, or Cleveland, if they aren't in that top spot. Uh, And the converse side, if the Mariners have the top spot, then it's one of those teams doing the cross-country travel, except for Cleveland, because they're locked into home field there. Um, 
So that's why it's three games in three days, if necessary, on the third one. And, man, you know, so the Mariners are two and a half games back of hosting. I was really hoping they could host, and they may still be able to. I think Wednesday, obviously, with the season wrapping up, we may know before then. It all depends on how the action shakes out before then. But back up to Friday for a minute. How perfect of a way to end the drought. Cal Raleigh. This guy, I love his story. Beginning of this year, you may remember, was sent down to AAA. That's how much he was struggling. Seems asinine now. He's got 26 home runs from the catcher spot. Most of the Mariners have ever had from that spot. He was sent down to AAA. He didn't even play two weeks up here. He was only called up when Tom Murphy had that season-ending injury. Right? And, And wow, what a story that's become. And that guy comes in, bottom of the ninth, two outs, pinch hit. Boy, did you hear Rick Riz and Dave Sims on their calls? The Mariners tweeted it out. If you haven't checked it out, listen to it. Goosebumps. And so for me, the cool experience, obviously, I was there covering it for Como News. Um, There's a bit of a walkway out to the field, closer to the Visitor's Clubhouse, not the Mariner's Clubhouse. And me and some other reporters were in that tunnel waiting. It was so crowded, and it's kind of an incline, so you can't really see too much. But I was able to see enough. I could see the pitcher. I couldn't see Cal Raleigh, but I heard, and you knew. You just knew. Foul fair for a second there, of course. And then I and then I, I was able to see Cal when he did the bat flip. And then it was pandemonium. We're led on the field. We're watching. They're celebrating. Um, boy, oh, boy, tears everywhere. Mariners players, staffers, fans, of course. How could you not? How could you not be emotional about that? The line of Moneyball, how can you not be romantic about baseball? This was just something this city needed. Something, if you're a diehard Mariners fan, which I, I, I hope most of you are, you really enjoyed that. You really deserve that. You deserve a home playoff game, too, and let's hope they can make that happen. You know, if not for the wild card, you get past the wild card and get that guaranteed at least one, hopefully two, for the ALDS and, and you know, beyond and, and beyond that. I think my favorite story from that night is certainly how many people can get to be in the champagne celebration and, and the local media was allowed in there. Um, I have a great video I tweeted out of the, you know, I hope you can check it out. Just kind of holding my cell phone up and uh, Scott Service says, Gino, are you ready? And, and Eugenio Suarez says, are you ready? And then, you know, champagne flying everywhere. Party uh, definitely ruined the shoes I was wearing. They're stained now. Um, suits at the dry cleaners I was wearing that night. And then you just walk around, and it was just such a unique and amazing experience, euphoric in a lot of ways. I I remember I was about to talk to Scott Service, and of course, he's just this gracious, great guy. And I said, hey, Scott, can I ask you a couple questions? And he says, yeah, sure, hold on. And I I look, and I'm like, what is he doing? He turns around, and he's lighting his cigar. I mean, come on. That celebration was 21 years in the making, and everybody had their different journey. I love that Scott Service said, hey, I've been here seven years. It was a seven-year struggle for service. Brian O'Keefe just called up, had a one-day struggle. <laughs> Maybe he's good luck, I guess. First game, boom, back in the playoffs. I like to say my son, who's 10 months old, is good luck because he was born after the 21 season ended, November. And so the only Mariners baseball he knows is playoff Mariner baseball. Man, how sweet is that? Who do you prefer they play? I mean, if you pose that question on social media, there's so many trolls on social media. You just get, well, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Well, of course it doesn't matter. 
We just want them in the playoffs. But you're allowed to look that far down the road. You are allowed to do that. You're a human. God, social media, so good, so bad sometimes. I think that, you know, you look around, it's really difficult. I think the only thing I root for is that they get home, those home games. You know, that looks a little less likely than, say, it did Friday or Saturday, right? Um, it's going to be tough to travel on a team. That's home field advantage, unless, of course, it's Tampa, which doesn't really have a home field advantage. I mean, I'm sure the attendance goes up for the playoffs, but there's a reason those owners wanted to play half their games in Tampa and half their games in Montreal. And there's a reason the Rays, and the, along with Oakland, of course, are considered the top two candidates for relocation. Be cool if one of them moved to Portland, right? A little two-hour away rivalry, maybe Vancouver. So the Vancouver fans won't come down here every time the Blue Jays are here, right? I mean, maybe they still will if you grew up a Blue Jays fan, but they'd have their own team, with, you know. That'd be fun to see one day. But back to this, I think that, you know, once you get to this point, I guess maybe you wouldn't mind playing the Rays, although they're kind of playing themselves into that sixth spot, which would put them at Cleveland. because, And that's why you would want to maybe play them is because they are struggling at the moment. So I think that's that's part of it. But, yeah, I think there's a lot of unique elements here that come into play with that. Overall, the Mariners can beat anybody, especially in a series. I've said it for months on Como News. They have a World Series caliber rotation. And the fact that in this best of three series, the way it's going to work out, your game one starter, Robbie Ray, you can start Luis Castillo and Logan Gilbert or George Kirby, or you can go any direction you want after that. If you're that confident in your rotation, let's say they stick with the rotation. So Robbie started Sunday, George Kirby goes tonight. And let's say you went with that rotation, you know, that's a big props to the rookie Kirby. But let's say you went that way, even though I think Castillo would be the game two starter. You know, if you get those wins, it's not like your rotation is by any stretch depleted going in to the ALDS with the uh, Yankees or Astros. Then you could just throw Castillo out there. And oh, by the way, Logan Gilbert, like, come on, man. Those two guys, they're aces. This Mariners rotation is ridiculous. And so on the doubleheader Tuesday, you have Marco starting game one, Chris Flexen starting game two. Those guys are there. The Mariners pitching is built for October success. Even more so, in my opinion, than regular season success because it's so deep. And yeah, you've got the Los Bomberos bullpen, and we love that, and they've been great. But it's that starting rotation. And then suddenly pitch counts don't matter quite as much. And then suddenly... You let these guys get to it. We know Marco's a bulldog, right? If Marco's out there and right now Marco's your number five starter, when maybe the beginning of the season he was your number three guy, it's pretty awesome. That's really awesome. The Bolton bolstered, you know, we already know the guys like Munoz has been a nice story. You know, Matt Brash, who came up as a starter, is suddenly in the bullpen. He looks good. I like, I you know. Don't throw this in my face if they get knocked out of the wild card. I like their chances. I like this team and the rotation to be able to make a run. I'm not saying where to. I, I think it'd be silly to say World Series. I think it'd be silly to say ALCS or whatever. I just like the way this team is built. Because it's not like you're in the wild card and you have to use your best ace and that's that. Robbie Ray starts Friday for sure. But you're not dead in the water after that as far as your top guys go. You just signed Luis Castillo long-term. Kirby's been a revelation. And the fact that, and I probably shouldn't have done it this way, the fact that I'm saying Logan Gilbert like fourth, 
he's he's certainly not right. He's he's right there with Castillo and Ray. Went eight innings the other night. Come on, that's a scary rotation. Anybody else in the American League should be afraid of that. A guy like Chris Flexen, who started all season, is out of your bullpen now, or is your spot starter? It reminds me of 2019. It, it, maybe the scenario happens when the Washington Nationals were in Game Seven of the World Series. Uh, I believe Strasburg started that game. And, you know, Pat Corbin has struggled this year and then last year, of course, but at the time he was, you know, the legit number two starter for that team. He was really, I mean, he's still really good. I think he's just going to be, you know, the team has struggled quite a bit this year, the worst record in baseball, but they threw Patrick Corbin into the nationals for four innings. And that in a lot of ways sealed game seven, Chris Flexen can be that guy for this team this year. And that's an exciting prospect. The guy who was your number four starter at the beginning of the season, maybe not, like, come on, he's your guy to the bullpen. I like that a lot. Even more so, obviously, Eugenio Suarez is back. Uh, Julio comes back today. This team is getting together at the right time. They won four or five. The last Sunday wasn't fun. But that rotation and this team, whew, I'm, going, I'm saying ALCS. I'm going to say it. We'll see. We will see. But, man, it's a lot of fun to talk about that. Let's talk about the Mariners as long as we can because you don't know how long you have. And it was so special that the drought was ended, but it could be the playoff run anyway over by this time next week. So let's enjoy the Seattle. That's what Scott Service said. The drought is over. Misery is done. And let's just see how exciting they can make this down the run. So overall, good weekend in Seattle sports. You've got the Seahawks beating the Lions. You've got the Mariners punching their ticket to the postseason. Even the OL Reign winning the NWSL Shield, they're off to the playoffs. I know we had the Sounders lose, and that officially means they will not be in the playoffs for the first time in 13 years. But you know they'll be back, and they'll be in the World Club Cup for that Champions League win back in May. So that'll be something to look forward to for the uh, Rave Green fans this winter. And, of course, what do you guys think of Bowie? New Kraken mascot. He's I liked Bowie when he came down from the Raffers. He, you know, whatever. But I think that it even grew on me even more. 24 hours later. Good for you, Bowie. I love it. So Bowie, playoff baseball, Seahawks back on track. Let's go, Seattle. Can't wait to join you. We'll do a Seahawks and Major League Baseball playoffs preview coming up on Thursday when all this is sorted out. But that is your first edition of the Commonwealth Sports End Zone. I'm Nico Tamarian.